Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter. He is the head honcho over at Furtherstone Ministries, and uh, we are a little show called Solid Steps Radio. And if you just found us accidentally, uh, don't turn the dial. Maybe hang in there with us for a few minutes and see if it's something that would uh, pique your interest. We're a show that is designed for and geared and spoken to men. We want to talk to guys. Uh, we have lots of lady listeners, and that's wonderful. But we're here to speak a voice from men uh, to men and talking about things from a guy's perspective. And we believe here at Solid Steps Radio that to fulfill your destiny as a man, it is to walk with and live in Jesus Christ. And we want to be a tool in your toolbox. There's a lot of noise out in the world. As of today, when we're taping this show, um, <laughs> it's election day when we're taping today. And uh, you cannot turn on a radio, look at anything without hearing about election this and election that. There's a lot of noise in the world. And a lot of it is not great. And we just want to be a little bit of sanity. Well, very, hopefully, hopefully it's a little more than that. Very but. little actual sanity. Uh, but we want to be of, of just a voice of, of speaking truth and uh, and just telling the story that God is writing in men's lives. Okay. That being said, uh, we've got a, a really interesting show today because we have a really interesting guest today. Because when we talk about uh, the story that God is writing in your life, um, this man has a wonderful story. And it's actually a general, multi-generational story. And you're going to hear about that today. But... Uh, a lot of times, guys, you may be driving around and you may think, uh, oh, I know your dad or I know your grandpa and, and they are known. And sometimes you're kind of like, yeah, but I'm not them. And how does that work? You know, I'm me. And what does a legacy look like? And what is the story that God is writing in your life? And today's guest is going to help kind of unpack that family legacy. So, Chad, um, at, at times, yeah, we look at, you know, well-known people and we, you know, we learn from them, and then we kind of wonder about the sons and the grandsons. And, and and Jamie, I'm like, when I when we got connected, you know, through email, I was just excited to connect with you. And uh, so this is Jamie Saint. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. You know, uh, you mentioned your voice was going out. It was com- like completely gone yesterday. Almost. Almost. And yeah. now it's uh, what is it? Fifty fifty today. Yeah, it's on its way back. I think <laughs> it'll be back here by noon. That's but other than that, it's okay for at least a little. Well, bit we now. are we're we are glad that your voice is working, and uh, we're thrilled to have you. Um, you know, Jamie, your uh, I remember reading about your grandpa, and so uh, you know, back when I went to Moody Bible Institute back in the late '80s, and I was like, oh my goodness, and you know, I heard a little bit about. You know the Jim Elliott story and the Nate Saint story, and so your your grandpa is a famous man. Uh, but tell our listeners some of, some of our listeners have never heard of Nate Saint, and that was your grandpa, and then your dad Steve Saint, who's you know all over the world and also very well known. Um, tell us uh, our our listeners that story real quickly. Yeah, so my grandfather Nate was a jungle missionary pilot in Ecuador, South America. And he flew in support of other missionaries like Jim Elliott, Roger Udarian, Pete Fleming, Ed McCauley, The Drowns, many others. Um, In 1955, there was one area of the jungle that no other pilots would fly over because of the Indians that lived there. They were then known as the Alcas, which was a very derogatory term because nobody had ever gotten close enough to these people to find out what they call themselves, which is Wildani. 
1955, my grandfather located one of their clearings, and then by means of the bucket drop, and you'd have to watch the movie End of the Spear to see what that is or read the book. But through the bucket drop, they began giving gifts, which soon the Indians built a platform to receive the bucket. They began giving gifts back. So, so they, they would fly over... They would fly over the, and this is your grandpa, he's flying the airplane, and they would have gifts that they would drop out of the airplane. No. Uh, describe to our listeners. Okay. So think of an ice cream cone, a sugar cone specifically. Uh-huh. The airplane would fly at about 500 feet on the top of that ice cream cone, very tight circles. The bucket would be about 1,000 to 1,200 feet of line out in the back of the airplane, and as my grandfather would turn in very tight circles, the bucket would work in the opposite direction until it hung motionless at the vortex or the bottom of the ice cream cone. <laughs> then if he let out more well, how, lines... How long did it take him to figure that out, I wonder? Well, he, he was daydreaming in school, <laughs> and, and that's how he figured it out with a pencil and a string. And again, if you watch the movie, you'll see that that played out. But as... As he would do that, he would let out more line, and the bucket would go straight down. And this was for sensitive gifts to missionaries who didn't have an airstrip yet. But for the Indians, it was a way there was a, there was a slip string in the bottom of the bucket so they could drop the gifts and keep the bucket. So the Indians began giving gifts back to them as well. Like, I mean, roasted monkey meat, and people want to know, what, is, what does it taste like? <laughs> and they say, it, it must be like, you know, chicken. It, it doesn't taste anything like chicken. Um, one of the other things that they... Chad, Chad, have you ever had roasted monkey meat? Uh, no, that would be a negative, no. Jamie, have you? I have. <laughs> it's actually very good. Okay. <laughs> um, but they also have toucan feathers, which toucan is the fruit loop bird. And when people say, does monkey tastes just like chicken? I said, no, it tastes just like toucan. <laughs> and of course they don't. <laughs> toucan, the closest thing I'll get to that is Fruit Loops. <laughs> As in toucan. Fruit Loops know. are good. Yes. <clears throat> but they are, no, tricks are for kids. Fruit yes. Loops are okay. <laughs> but for 13 weeks they did the bucket drop. And then they said, all right, it's time to make contact. They had prefabricated a tree house. They found a, a sandbar in the, in the river. It was about 600 feet long, which if you're a pilot, which I am, even though I don't fly a lot anymore, 600 feet is like nothing. Oh. Very short. Oh, yeah. So they, they landed, they built a tree house, and they waited. And this is, there had never been a friendly contact. Now, to understand a little bit about what they're dealing with, this was an egalitarian tribe. There was no hierarchy. There's nobody that makes up these rules. There were no rules. Everybody did whatever they wanted, but there did become four unwritten rules that everybody lived by. Rule number one, if somebody does something that offends you, ignore it. Rule number two, if somebody does something that offends you and you can't ignore it, kill them. Rule number three, if somebody kills somebody in your family group, it's not only your right, it's your obligation to kill somebody in their family group. And finally, rule number four, if, whether you've been offended or to avenge a death, you're going to kill somebody in another family group, take your whole family group with you, kill the whole other family group, 
That way there's nobody left to come kill you or your family. <clears throat> Anthropologists have studied this tribe, have called them the most violent society to have ever existed on this planet that's been studied. They had a 60% homicide rate inside the tribe. That's, I, I remember reading that in Christianity Today, and uh, 60% homicide rate. How many people were in this tribe? Society. <clears throat> in uh, the mid-1950s, probably estimated around 400. Hmm. That's just amazing. And so there's just constant death and constant... And so now fast forward, your what happens to your grandpa and these So they had guys. a friendly contact on January 6, 1956. That was a Friday on um, no contact Saturday. Sunday, and this is a short version, Sunday um, the Indians came back and they speared my grandfather and his four friends to death, ages 27 to 32, young men. Your grandpa was how old? 32. He was the oldest, 32 years old. Your grandpa was martyred. Mm. Um, you make a statement, um, Jamie, uh, I'm reading, that that God um, orchestrated this. That's right. One of the things that people, I think in life, we say, oh, you know, this tragedy happened. God allowed it to happen. And that's true. But for several reasons, we believe that God did not allow this to happen. He orchestrated it. One, these, the Indians would never attack a group unless they had at least three to one odds. Three of them to one of foreigners. This, they had six men and three women against five men. So that was, that was the first thing. Second thing is that they never attacked unless they had the element of surprise. Well, one of the Indians hiding across the, the river from the beach dropped his spears on a log. So now the, the surprise was not there. So two of those things, just that. Mm. They would never have attacked anybody else. But there's more. So Ed McCauley went to call on the radio and, and see if somebody could, you know, outside. And the Indians after this have asked us, why didn't the, the tall one, that was Ed McCauley, why didn't he just climb in the airplane? I mean, if he would have just climbed in, he would have been spared. Like, it's a fabric-covered airplane. Spears are, you know, chonta wood spears made from a, a chonta palm. They're very hard. I mean, piercing through fabric, that's no big deal. They said, no, you don't understand. If he would have gotten in the airplane, we wouldn't have killed him. And then Pete Fleming was on the opposite side of the river. They said, why didn't he just step into the, into, the, into the jungle? If he would have just gone into the jungle, we wouldn't have killed him. Well, that doesn't make any sense either because, I mean, you guys know the jungle. He doesn't. They said, no. They say, after you kill, you, come, you become very afraid. If he would have just stepped into the jungle, they wouldn't have got him. he would have lived. And so for all those and many more reasons, we believe that God actually orchestrated for these men to die. Wow, wow. So we're going to take a break and hear more about this incredible story of how God orchestrated and how God is still moving uh, in that stay in the saint family even to this day. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio.
Hello and welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. That is still Kurt Souter, and we are with Jamie Saint, and we are talking today about uh, a lot of things. We're talking about uh, his martyred grandfather and the incredible story that has been written through uh, time about the Saint family that God is writing. And uh, speaking of writing good stories, if you want to write a good financial story for your family and you want to take care of your financial needs, Ellen and Credit Union is a local lender who helps sponsor our show, but they also want to help you uh, align with your finances, whether it's personal banking, commercial banking, credit cards, loan, checking, whatever it is, Ellen and Credit Union, a local lender who wants to help you with all your financial needs. And also Vision First Eye Care. Uh, If you are blind as a bat like me, Vision First can help you see. And uh, I get as much medical treatment at my eye doctor as I get anywhere. They look at my brain. Yes, they have one, haha, but they will look into your eyes and they'll be able to uh, see parts of your brain and tell about your health just by uh, taking care of your eyes. And that's what they do. So Vision First Eye Care, we want to thank them for being a sponsor of the show as well. I'm glad they're looking at your brain, dude. Uh, Yes, it's a little bit odd. Uh, But for those who are just joining us, our last segment, if you didn't hear this, we're talking to Jamie Saint, who is the father, or excuse me, the son of Steve Saint and the grandson of Nate Saint. Nate Saint was a Christian martyr back in 1950, I believe it was. And he, he and four other men were speared to death by one of the most violent uh, societies ever recorded uh, in history. And uh, when we left that last segment, they had just been speared and killed uh, right outside their airplane. You know, Jamie, when you mentioned to me uh, and mentioned to us that that you believe that God orchestrated this, I, I mean, it immediately brings to mind the, the 10 apostles who were martyred and how God used um, their death to continue to explode the, you know, the gospel all over the world. I mean, we're here today because of the uh, disciples of Jesus, and you really believe that that God used the death of your grandpa and those other four men to continue to spread the gospel around the world. You know, the Bible talks about a seed. When a seed, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies... No life comes from it. Yes. You see, God is writing a story. He's been writing a story since the beginning of time. The challenge that we have is to allow God to write our story. Not the way we want him to write it, but the way that he wants to write it. And so this, my my mom loves to read. So do we all. But when my mom reads a book, especially a suspenseful book, she reads the first chapter and then she skips to the last chapter And then she doesn't have to worry about how it's going to end because she knows and she doesn't have to stress out about it. She can just read the book. (laughs) But that's what God did for us too. Is that he wrote us the last chapter. We know how the story ends. The challenge that we have is to, because we know how the story ends, that regardless of what happens in life, God wins. He's going to win. It's already recorded. And, And we as Christ followers, we get a win with him. That's right. But our challenge today is to live in such a way that we allow God to write our story His way. That's going to have good chapters. It's going to have bad chapters. And, and we see that in Romans eight twenty eight, which most people know. God works all things together for good. But very few people quote 2 Timothy 3, 12. And 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
It's not a maybe. It's not a might. It's if you're going to live for Christ, you're going to suffer. But it's a very temporary suffering. And just like my mom did, we know the end of the story. This story that God began writing with my grandfather and his friends, that wasn't the end of the story. That was just the end of one difficult chapter. The next chapter opened two years later when his sister Rachel, my great aunt, was invited in to live with the people along with Elizabeth Elliot. She, she and Elizabeth were invited to come to, to the very tribe that killed your dad, invited to come That's and live right. with them. Dayuma, had, as a young girl, had fled from the tribe years earlier, and she had been living with Aunt Rachel, and they were like sisters. So she went back in after the killings Dayuma did, came back out and invited them in, which that was how, you know, these people knew that there was a creator. They said, well, yeah, there's a creator. His name is Wangungi, and we know that there's a creator because how can there be a creation without a creator? But they didn't know anything about him. And they were on the verge of extinction from their very own words. And so they, something had to change. And the Bible says that in the last day, people from every tribe and nation and kindred and tongue will be gathered before God's throne, willingly giving him praise. And how can that not be these people also? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So the word of God needed to go in. So Aunt Rachel and Elizabeth Elliot went in to live with this tribe. And then two years after they went in, my dad went in for the first time. He was about nine years old at this time. And when he went in, the warrior, Minkai, who actually was the man who speared my grandfather, went to Aunt Rachel. He said, Nemo. That, that was her tribal name. It means star. He said, Nemo. Baba, my dad's name, he doesn't know how to live. How can he be this old and not know how to live? Because in the jungles, to live means you need to know how to track how to hunt, how to use a spear, and how to use a blowgun. And my dad at nine didn't know any of these things. He was clueless. So Aunt Rachel turned back to Minkai and said, Minkai, you haven't killed his father. Who do you say should teach him how to live? And Minkai had to leave because, you know, those, those unwritten rules that I mentioned, if he teaches my dad how to use a blowgun, how to use a spear, how to hunt, and how to track, he's really giving him the tools and the training necessary to avenge his dad's death by killing Minkai or members of Minkai's family. But Minkai came back that afternoon. He said, it's true. Having Spear killed his father, I myself will teach him how to live. Now, the depth of that was not known until later, but Minkai actually adopted my dad as his own son. The man who killed your grandfather is now adopting your dad. Right into his family. That's right. You talking about a miracle of transformation. Um, and then fast forward, mm. uh, what happens with your dad and the full reconciliation and just, uh, I mean, it's just a marvelous story. So my dad would spend a lot of time out in the jungles um, over summers, anytime he had an opportunity. And he learned how to hunt and how to track, how to use a blowgun, how to use a spear. Um, but then Aunt Rachel's funeral came in 1994. She had lived with the people for 36 or 38 years. And then my dad went down for the funeral. And after the funeral, that's really when there was a lot of members of the tribe 
from outside of that one family group who came to the funeral. Because when Aunt Rachel went in and shared the gospel, virtually 90% of the killing stopped. They, and you have to watch um, End of the Spear or Beyond the Gates of Splendor, which is the dramatized documentary about this story with the real people telling the story. And there's a lot of times you can get them on Netflix or Amazon Prime or if you do Amazon or whatever. There's places to get them. But when you watch that, after the funeral, that's when the rec- a larger scale reconciliation took place between my dad and, and our family and the tribe. As a, you know, outside of this one family group. And we had many friends in the tribe, but there were still some who kind of looked at outsiders a little bit suspiciously. Um, but one thing took place right after, after the funeral. Um, my dad, Minkai was bragging about my dad. Oh, he's just like a wow Donnie. He can do anything that you guys can do. And some of the guys were like, oh, really? Well, I shot this bird with my blowgun on the way over, can he shoot that bird? And my dad said he put it on a branch so far away that my dad could barely make out the bird. He could barely see it. But he took a blowgun and he shot it and hit it right through its neck, which is like, I mean... A perfect shot. Right, quarter of an inch wide from who knows how far away. And the Indians then said, you know, and then Mikai, of course, just ranted and raved and the story kept getting bigger <laughs> kind of like about fishing his son, stories right? about his son yeah. right yeah about fishing stories right the fit the 12 inch fish became you know a 24 inch fish not <laughs> anyway the indians the wow themselves tried to shoot this bird and none of them hit it and so of course then as everyone missed then minkai just kind of ranted and raved but this Dama. is this is my great son. This I have trained him. He's <laughs> right. So and an embellishment upon embellishment about my dad's skills. My dad was just, I mean, he couldn't see the bird much less. So it was a god thing. But Dawa, who would be like his tribal aunt or grandmother, said, "Baba, now that Nemo is dead, we say that you come and you live with us." And my dad said, "No." He said, "I mean, he was a businessman in Florida." Why, how is he going to come down and live in the jungles now? He had four kids, you know, a wife. It wasn't going to happen. But then Dawa said, Aunt Rachel, Nemo, said that you would come. Well, we knew better to, than to argue with Aunt Rachel when she was alive. Now she, you, you know, she's not even living, at least not on this planet. And so you're not going to win an argument then either. And so he said, okay, just like what we might do in church when somebody says, hey, there's this new ministry coming and you're the perfect person to run this and you don't want to do it you can't say no especially if you're if it's your pastor (laughs) so you say i'll pray about it because how does somebody else know what god tells you and so dawa then turned back to the people she said people i've already spoken to the creator i know that he sees it well so my dad said well speaking to wangong the creator god and onging kamo my mom because she wasn't there and even if there was a way to communicate from the Amazon rainforest up to Florida, they didn't speak the same language. So he knew he had them. But Dawa turned again to the people and said, Ongi Kamo being a Christ follower, if God sees it well, how can she not? Well, we're gonna, I hate to take a break, but we're going to take one. We've got to take a break right now. We're going to come back we're for come back, our yeah. third and fourth segment to talk about uh, to Jamie saying about 
the story that God has written in his father's life, but also in one he's writing in Jamie's life and in one he wants to write in your life as a listener. So when we take a break, we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Pee break. <clears throat> okay, now a pee break, and I'll go with you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Sattler, talking to Jamie Saint today about family legacy and God writing your story in your life. And uh, we've heard an incredible story. Uh, if you want, there's no way that two segments of radio can do justice to the story he is uh, is talking about. So if you want to hear this in its entirety, there's two uh, great uh, resources for you. There's the movie, The End of the Spear, and then there's the actual documentary, Beyond the Gates of Splendor. And those go into much greater detail uh, than what we can do in four 11-minute segments. But we want to thank our sponsors, Frank Enterprises. If your septic tank is not doing what it's supposed to do, that is a whole nother adventure in itself. So you need to go call Frank Enterprises. They can take care of your septic issues or water drainage issues uh, at your home or residence uh, or your business. And then also Bright Star Home Care. They help people in one of the most difficult areas of their life, caring for an aged loved one. If somebody you love needs help, one day a week or 24-7 care. They can help navigate through that process with you. Bright Star Home Care, also a sponsor of our shoe. Um, Jamie, you mentioned like there's been, there's been 12 books written about your your grandpa and the whole that whole story. Probably the most famous is Elizabeth Elliot's book, Through Gates of Splendor. Mm-hmm. And um, listeners, if you've never read that book or one of the other books about this story, great to read as a uh, read aloud as a family. One of the things about that book is it was actually written from all five men's journals through Gates of Splendor. So it wasn't it wasn't just Elizabeth sitting down and writing out the story. It was she was took took the the information from all five men that they had written in their daily journal. Mm. Um, one of the things that my grandfather wrote, which is on page three hundred nine of End of the Spear. Is he, he was talking about, you know, Christmas time. And he said, if God would grant us the vision, the word sacrifice would disappear from our lips and thoughts. And so often we think that serving God is a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. Mm. Anybody who says it is a sacrifice needs to be doing something else. Because, you know, serving God is the greatest privilege. And that, that doesn't mean serving God isn't, Serving God on the mission field. It's not serving God in, you know, a full-time ministry position. It's serving God in your business. Serving God in your vocation. It's blooming wherever you've been planted. Mm. And making disciples right where you are. That's what it's about. Yeah, you don't, ha- you don't have to go to South America. I- God might call you to that, but he's really called you. We're all ministers of the gospel. That's right. If, if we have claimed the name of Christ... We are all ministers of reconciliation. Right, and the greatest ministry that most people have that are listening to this right now is right where they work, in their home, in their workplace, it's at the grocery store, it's where they are every day. You're you're saying that God wants to use us right where we are to be an an ambassador for, for Christ. That's what we've been called to. Yeah, amen. Okay, so Jamie, um, back back to the story. Uh, your grandpa has passed away along with the four men. Um, there's been reconciliation. Your aunt, your great aunt, has has passed away. She's lived down there with this tribe that killed 
<laughs> your grandpa. She's lived with him for 30 plus years. And at the funeral, th- they want to invite your whole family. You, as a, you're a teenager. Yeah, I was 18. I had just graduated from high school. They, they, they're inviting you, and, and not just inviting you, but they're kind of saying, hey, you need to come down and live with us. That's right. And what happened? So two weeks after I graduated from high school, we moved down. Your whole family just moves down to in the middle of the jungle. That's right. And we asked them, what do you want us to do for you? And they said, we don't want you to do anything. Foreigners are always coming and doing for us. What we want you to do is we want you to teach us how to do. Said so like, like, what does that look like? They said, well, foreigners are always coming in and fixing our teeth. They're coming in and fixing our medical problems. They're coming in and flying us from place to place. They said, but the only thing they can do is help the physical. They can, all they can do is meet the physical needs. They said, if you teach us how to meet the physical needs, we'll also be able to tell them how Jesus can meet their spiritual need. Well, that made a lot of sense. (laughs) They had, they had a greater vision than most missionaries around the world at the time. Right. But how do you do that? How do you teach a tribe living in the stone age, how to do dentistry? How do you teach them how to do, take care of medical problems? How do you teach them how to fly? But that was the birth of the concept that has become the organization ITEC, the Indigenous Peoples Technology and Education Center, which is ITEC, I-T-E-C, USA, dot org. And what we do today... And, th- and that's, the, that's the ministry that you lead. That's right. Yeah, my dad founded this ministry back in the uh, mid-90s, right after coming back from Ecuador, because after a year and a half... My family realized that the tribe was becoming dependent on my family, especially my dad. And so they said, we have to leave because they will never be able to make decisions on their own as elders of a church unless we leave. And so we left this concept of ITEC, empowering empowering and equipping. My dad said, there's no way. That's not how missions are done. Nobody's going to do it. And so he essentially buried the folder that's now become iTech. And he spoke at a church and some guys, especially Gene Walrath, who just passed away last month at 93 years old. He had been re-fired instead of retired. And he heard my dad speak and he said, okay, I want to, what can we do? And iTech went from a folder to a storage unit just two storage units to four, and then we found, a, we found a place and built an office. And what iTech does today, we have about 40 to 45 people that show up on a weekly basis, mostly volunteers. We travel around the world to train and equip Christ followers with tools like dentistry, medicine, um, eyesight enhancement and glasses program, mechanical training or storytelling on film, We're also about to start agricultural training. But we equip the church around the world to meet the needs of people in their own community as a door opener for the gospel. You don't don't go to uh, these remote places around the world and go do something for them. You go and equip and empower them. That's right. And, And all the tools that we have developed are designed to be self-sustaining. So once they're in a field, they are self-sustaining by the people there. So there's no dependency created 
My dad wrote a book called The Great Omission, which that was in, in the late 90s. After that, Brian Fickard and Steve Corbett wrote When Helping Hurts. Another book, Toxic Charity, has come out in the, in the recent years. And these are all talking about how debilitating dependency is. We think by going and giving a handout, we're helping people. We're not helping. We're not. We're actually hurting them. That's right. But when, if you or I were to go and do a medical camp or do a dental camp, which we wouldn't do that because we're not dentists or doctors, but if we were and we did that, we help a lot of people for one week. But the line is always longer when we leave than when we get there. But by equipping the indigenous Christ followers in whatever country that is to take care of their own people's needs, then they are the front line. They are the ones who are able to share the gospel. You and I don't know the language. They do. So at ITEC, we equip them to be the hands and feet of Christ, to meet the physical needs as a door opener for the gospel. Uh, that's got to be so rewarding for you to, to, to see... Um, to see these these folks truly empowered to do ministry, and you 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 equip them, you train them, you empower them, and then you let them do it. That's right. Our teams go. We we hand off the skills in a week's time, and there's a and it's not just high tech. There's empower approach. Teach to Transform, there's um, Fame, there's a lot of groups that are, and it, it's becoming this wave of empowering rather than going and doing. I mean, what really what your dad started was really a movement of, of a, 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 a tremendous philosophical shift in how we do missions around the world. Right, and the shift is still, we're still a very small Percentage, I mean, short-term missions is a multi-billion-dollar enterprise. Billions of dollars are spent to go and build a building, paint a building, do a VBS, all very short-term. But the Bible calls us in Matthew 28 to make disciples, and in Second Timothy 2:2 to make disciples that can make disciples that can make disciples. And so, if we're not going and we're not doing God's will, God's way. Well, when my kids don't do what I ask them to do, when I ask them to do it and with the right attitude, then it's called disobedience. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back in our fourth and unfortunately final segment because uh, we could listen to a lot of stories from Jamie, but we're going to also hear more about the story that God is writing in Jamie's life because Jamie's not known as Nate's grandson and Steve's son. He is Jamie Saint, and he's got a story too. So we're going to take a break, and in the next segment, uh, we're going to hear more about the story that God is writing in his life, and how does that affect you? Do you think that too, guys? Do you think, well, my dad did this, good or bad? Are you so identified with your father and your grandfather in positive or negative that you're really living in a sort of, not just a shadow, but bondage, that you need to step out of that shadow and say, hey, God, you're writing a story in my life. And Jamie's going to talk more about that in the next and final segment. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio.
Welcome back to our fourth and final segment today of Solid Steps Radio. And if you missed the first three, I apologize. You need to go back and listen to this in its entirety, commercial-free, thanks to our great sponsors like Ellen and Credit Union and Dan Hart Financial. If you need your financial needs in regards to investment and you want to say, hey, am I taking God's money he's given me and investing it in God's ways? Dan Hart Financial can help you do that for your future investments. But if you want to hear all of the past three segments uh, commercial-free, thanks to our sponsors, go to soundcloud.com. Go to iTunes. And you can also go to furtherstoneministries.org and click on the mic. But if you go to Facebook as well and just type in Solid Steps Radio, you'll see Kurt and I's mug come up. Click on that and you can hear the show in its entirety commercial free thanks to our great sponsors. And you know what, Chad, they, we, we really want to encourage you listeners to pass this story on to others around because this is this is a life-changing story. And I, I, it has motivated me for years um, to think about the eternity of the gospel and that we were made for eternity. God's called us to live for the kingdom. Uh, Jamie, even in your prayer, you, you, we always get on our knees every before we, we start every show. And, and your prayer was what John the Baptist said centuries and centuries ago, may he increase, may we decrease. And, uh, you know, that, I, I just so appreciate that because it's not about us. That's right. It's about Jesus. Yeah. And it's about the Christ that we serve. And it's uh, it's about the gospel. Uh, Jamie, talk to our listeners about um, you know the the call of God in your own life, mm-hmm. um, leading you know following your your awesome grandpa and your dad, and uh, stepping into the their you know not not their shoes but you know following in their footsteps of proclaiming the gospel and. Uh, uh, leading this ministry after I graduated from the University of Florida so you're um, a gator I am I'm sorry yeah well <laughs> well let's not talk about football right now <laughs> but I said God I will go anywhere I will do anything other than work for iTech that was the only line in the sand that I've ever driven I said God I'll do anything I'll go anywhere other than iTech now, why did you say, I be other, because I, I don't want to do iTech, why? Because my dad and I are very similar in a lot of ways. We're very different in a lot of ways as well. And I knew that us working together, I mean, it's just, it was the farthest thing imaginable for me. I just, not that I didn't want to work with my dad, but just iTech. It was small, it was a thing, it was, I just, I didn't want to do it. And then in 2005, 2006, um, I, I worked with iTech traveling. My dad would speak at some places. I would speak at others. And we were challenging people to let God write their story. And before I started doing that, I said, all right, God, this is where it comes to. You write my story any way you want to write it. Just show me enough so that I can be obedient. Mm. And I will do anything, even working with iTech. And I did for a year and a half when the movie came out in theaters. And then I went back into the business world. I was a sales manager for a company, then I owned a company with a partner. And then in 2010, uh, I'm sorry, 2008, no, it was 2010, several, multiple things happened that God just brought me back to iTech to start a new division of iTech that focused on the North American church. And then two years after that, my dad, almost to the month, 
my dad had a uh, spine cord inju- spinal cord injury, and he was testing a wing on the back of a of a car at our airport where the the um, office is located. The wing broke both safety straps, came off the bracket, hit him in the head, caused um, a major spinal cord injury. He had five vertebrae removed from the back of his neck. Um, he's today an incomplete quadriplegic. What what does that mean? It means he has very little sensation in his hands, in his arms, or in his legs or feet. He can still walk. He can still drive, but he can't feel. Yeah. Or minimal. Or very minimal. Little, minimal. There's constant pain, but sometimes he's less spastic, which means he's more functioning. Other times, just getting out of bed is a is a challenge. Um, my dad in the last six and a half years now since the injury took place has really in a lot of ways become a hero of mine Mm. um because of the way that he's handled what he's been through what god and he says look god this was not an accident this was an injury because there are no accidents with god Mm. he's writing my story i just want him to continue to write it his way not my way and what took place after that God had brought the right people at the right time into different leadership positions at iTech. And the board thought that iTech was going to collapse, but it didn't. It exploded. It started growing, and more and more growth has taken place over the last eight years now, or six and a half years. And all, I mean, God's called you to be the executive director, to, right. to lead it, but it's, it's just the hand, the power, and the favor of God. That's right. You know, this is a story that God's writing, and it's not just me leading this organization. We have a tremendous team. I mean, the team, if anybody who comes to iTech, they leave talking about what an amazing team that God has brought together. It's not one person. It's not two people. It's a team of 40-plus people on a weekly basis who are all working with one vision and one mission, and that's to equip the indigenous church around the world so that they can have open doors to share the gospel. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's right. All for the glory of Jesus. I, 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 that's marvelous. I, I, it's powerful. How, you, you said your dad has been um, just become your hero because you know your, your dad lost his dad when he was a young boy. Um, and then he has this horrible accident and he's in chronic pain, constant pain. Um, describe that a little bit more, how he's become your hero. Well, you know, I think people always say, oh, you're the grandson of Nate Saint. How awesome is that? Or you're the son of Steve Saint. How awesome is that? You know, my grandfather lived 32 years, and he lived for God those 32 years, and he gave his life willingly. That's a challenge, but I think a lot of us could do that. I think it becomes much harder to live all your life in allowing God to write your story. My dad was a business guy. He did well in business, which allowed him to go down and and move his family to the jungles. But coming back and not going back into business, but just allowing God to write the story and being obedient when it it wasn't popular. A lot of people from a lot of walks of life said, even Christians, even missionaries, 
they were upset with my dad because God had given him a vision while we lived with the, with the Waodani to see missions from the receiver's point of view, mm-hmm. how debilitating dependency is. And when he would write about that, missionaries didn't like him. Churches didn't like him. But Because it goes against everything that they've been practicing. Everything. everything. Yeah. And so one of the reasons why he's a hero of mine is that he was willing to say, no, this is what God has taught us. I'm going to write it in a book. I'm going to write articles about it and not being blatant about it, but also not being bashful about it and saying there has to be a better way to do missions. We have to do God's will God's way. We have to think family. If we don't do God's will God's way, it's disobedience. If we don't think like a family, then we're not really doing what God has called us to do. My dad didn't teach my kids how to tie their shoes. In fact, he didn't even, he's never tied my kids' shoes. Why? Because he taught me. And he taught me well enough so that I could teach. That's discipleship. So, but, but really in the last six and a half years, being in pain all the time, and yet still saying, don't pray for recovery. Pray that God will write my story. That's, that's why he's a hero of mine. That's, that is a man of deep faith and trust and surrendered. You know, Jamie, um, uh, you know, we, I, I just, uh, it's a beautiful story, and thank you for sharing. I, I, I'm, you have a whole host of women in your home. What's, uh, uh, you, that, it, it's a lot better. It's not nearly as dark as what people might be thinking. By <laughs> be more, more specific on that cl- uh, there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my wife and I, one wife, um, <laughs> just saying, we have six daughters. But we also have another girl that's living with us and is, we treat her like one of our daughters. She acts like one of our daughters, both good and bad. <laughs> and we have our niece staying with us five days a week because the college that she goes to is very close to where we live. And then we have a, la- a single lady living in, a, in the apartment that's attached to our house. So that's 10 women, if you're counting. That's a, that's a lot of estrogen. That is a lot of estrogen. <laughs> um, and then they just kind of, we're, we're fostering to adopt, which is kind of weird, a uh, female dog. <laughs> because our male dog, we had to put him down because he had cancer. Hmm. But, you know, people say, man, that, how do you do that? I say, well, one day at a time, and I travel a lot, so <laughs> traveling helps. But one of the things that, man, no boys, well, I believe that God gives every family the same amount of testosterone. Some guys, like me, because God gave us the whole dose, we have you, you, ladies. You, didn't, you don't need any more men in your right? in the house. Right, we have girls. Uh, and then Chad... <laughs> Here, here's Chad. Chad, how many, how many, how many boys do you have? I have six boys. So apparently, so, testosterone is in scarce supply around my home and has to be divvied out to all the people in the home. So, oh my goodness. Well, you know what, guys, I we have to wrap this thing up. But that that, that is such a <laughs> that's funny. God Jamie, has a sense of humor. He, yes, does, he does have a yes, sense of does. humor. Jamie, uh, thanks so much for coming in. It's been a delight and a joy to have you. Would you just pray real quickly for us guys that we would be men of courage and, and we'd be men like your dad and like yourself and like your grandpa. Yeah, let's you pray, pray for us. Yeah. Father, you're good. You're a good story writer. You're a good God. 
Lord, you desire for us, not that all good things will happen, but to grow us into the image and likeness of Christ. And that doesn't happen without heat. That doesn't happen without tragedy. That doesn't happen without pain. So, Lord, we ask that you would challenge us to be men of deep conviction, men of deep faith, men who are willing to say yes, men who are willing to say, God, you write my story however you want to write it. I know that every chapter is not going to be easy. There's going to be difficult chapters. But, God, you write my story however you want to do it and show me enough to be obedient. Mm. Father, if we as men will do that, there is no limit to what you can accomplish through us. This country will change. This nation, this, this world will change. Even it changed by 12 men, one who failed, 11 who said yes and were faithful. Mm. Lord, Cause us to be faithful so that we will allow you to write our story. And who knows, maybe the world will be changed because you're writing our story. Mm. Thank you. We trust you. We ask you in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jamie. And we will wrap up with that. And we want to appreciate you listening. And we also thank you to pass this along to anybody else who may be interested in well. We thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. With